Hello and welcome to Furloughed, defining moments worth talking about. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and also Steve Otterstrom is with us today. So Steve, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, looking forward to today's podcast. And, um, you know, I kind of wanted to actually just take a, a moment and, and just remind us where we came from, you know, because <laughs> we started doing this podcast forever ago, right? Isn't that the technical? <laughs> it feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, During the just, pandemic, anything is forever. <laughs> exactly. In 2020, the great black hole of 2020. But, um, you know, I was just thinking actually this morning, I just wanted to, you know, kind of mark the time. But, you know, we started we started this out um, uh, as we were entering into a furlough. And uh, in that time, it's just kind of extended and gone on and on. Uh, about a month ago is when I lost my job and you're still on that furlough. But one of the things I think is interesting to mark just for our listeners, whether you're in a similar situation or not, but this was kind of the week that the well ran dry on the unemployment. Mm. And I know that that has certainly created some anxiety for many people out there. I've been lucky to have some independent contract work that's, that's keeping me afloat. Um, and I know you've got some things in the works, but any thoughts on that, Leonard? How are how are you doing? Well, like you say, the this well, new thing. <laughs> yeah, the well did just run dry, so I still have water at my house. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting to see, and certainly don't want to delve into politics at all because we'd be here forever and never yeah. resolve a thing. Uh, just as it <laughs> the looks like they might be doing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, but yeah, very very fortunate. Um, we coming into this did have some savings set aside. So now that that additional funding is gone, we'll be able to sustain ourselves uh, the way that we're accustomed to for a month or so before it becomes a bit of a panic for us. Mm -hmm. But obviously having that added money coming in was certainly just a real benefit for us. And, uh, but like you say, we've got some things in the work, some gig work. And so hopefully get that kind of ramped up a little bit more to help subsidize and, and fill some of those voids of that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like you say, I know you're, you're kind of basically on your feet at this much at this point, it sounds like, is that yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I felt like my feet, I don't know, had a bigger shoe size when I had my other job, <laughs> but yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've been really fortunate. I've had a, a full schedule. I've had work to do. Um, and that's been for about the last, I mean, I've, I've had work for a while, but the full schedule probably started about two weeks ago. And, and uh, you know, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty okay with, with where I'm at right now. And of, of course, just, you know, want to be sensitive to those that are not necessarily in that situation at this point. And, you know, all our love <laughs> um, goes out to you. And we, we'd certainly um, hope that, that it turns out well for many people who yes. are right now, maybe, in a little more frightening of a situation, you know? And, yeah. It, it, I know, I think for myself, anyhow, the shift from fear of the virus and that unknown yeah. is now sort of shifted where a little bit more attention is being paid to finances and the concerns with mm -hmm. finances. And, and I recognize some folks may have been impacted immediately uh, because of all the stimulus might not have been enough for them. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it's just does kind of reposition us again into a situation mm -hmm. of unknown, quote unquote, unknown. So yeah. interesting times, my friend. Interesting <laughs> times. Very true. Very true. Well, listen, we've got a guest today, so let's not belabor uh, our current situation because we've got enough news feed that we could, uh, like I say, saturate ourselves in it for a long time and not resolve it. But uh, I'm excited to announce to our listeners, all, all six of them that are here today, <laughs> uh, we have we have Tom Holsey joining us. So I want to share just a little bit about Tom Holsey, and then we'll have him jump in. So Tom, on his birthday in 2015, so just five years ago, Tom discovered that he had that dreaded word we all hear, the big C, cancer. And so needless to say, that diagnosis sent him into a tailspin, and especially because he had lost a friend to prostate cancer the year before. And so it, we'll dig into that a little bit with him. And so with Tom, though, he's not a quitter. So what he did after finding out about cancer, he ran the Iron Man, and we'll talk about what the Iron Man is for folks that might not know about that and what that is. Uh, but he ran that with his, and it uh, looks like he, 
also walked his daughter down the aisle. So he hadn't given up and he's done a lot of work, philanthropy for cancer and cancer awareness now. And just a lot of things that Tom has done. Also written a book, The Winning Mindset That Saved My Life. And so Tom, it sounds like you've been a busy man in the last five years. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Leonard and Steve. It's, it's an honor to be here. Well, Tom, uh, let's kind of start at the beginning of the story as we know it anyhow, and, and, and let's talk about that prognosis. So we all know everybody in the United States, it's the big C, cancer, that dreaded word. So yep. kind of unpack that for us and uh, what your health was prior and, and maybe help unpack what the Iron Man is once you get to that section there. Well, prior to, prior to my diagnosis, I was uh, very uh, fit and healthy. I've always led uh, an active, healthy lifestyle, and uh, which made this diagnosis even uh, more um, difficult to accept, if you will. Sure. And like you mentioned, I heard heard the three words you never want to hear from your doctor. And on, on my birthday in 2015, that I had cancer, and that really did uh, put me into uh, a, a tailspin. Um, frankly, I was I was embarrassed and ashamed, and almost felt like a fraud because people viewed me as being Mr. Fit and, and healthy. And uh, compounding that uh, diagnosis at the time, I had just witnessed my best friend, as you mentioned, lose his life to prostate cancer, and it was absolutely gut wrenching to, to watch what he went through. And I. Uh, so five, five and a half years ago, February of 15, exactly, um, I, I was actually in a, in a pretty dark place. And because of my embarrassment and all, I did not tell anybody about my diagnosis except for friends and, and a, a few close friends in my immediate family. And uh, uh, that, so I, you know, let, one of my lessons learned, and I can talk about that later, but one of the lessons I learned, though, was uh, when you have a diagnosis like that, uh, you should you should uh, seek support, uh, like get a, uh, join a support organization and really talk about it. And that was a, that was a mistake uh, that, that, that I made, but I kept it all inside. And um, yeah, let's talk about that for just a minute. That's a great point, Tom. So you, you how just so we know a measure of time when you kept it inside, we talking like a matter of days, weeks, months, how, how long did you? It was a little over a year. Process? Oh my goodness. Over um, a year. And it was through, and I must give her kudos here or, or a compliment for uh, even introducing us. Uh, my wife, Lauren was the one that encouraged me to, uh, to write a blog uh, about my, experience and as she said if you impact one person's life in this world with your with your blog just just think how that would make you feel well the first response back i got back from my blog uh this would have been in march of 16 um it was a gentleman in new zealand i had given him hope and inspiration wow and, and from there it just kind of it, it kind of uh it just you mushroom from there but at the time uh, I wasn't trying to, you know, really make a difference or change the world, if you will. But it, w but it was very uh, therapeutic for me to, to just, you know, finally talk about it. And uh, so, again, it was through her encouragement. And that's when I really started to uh, turn things around. And uh, but one of the things that one thing that did happen uh, that they got me uh, kind of turned around was was my mindset. And. Uh, one of my friends who I did confide in, confide in, suggested, or he reminded me, said, you know, you've done Ironmans in your life. And, and the motto of the Ironman is anything is possible. And you need, I said, you need to set goals for yourself to get beyond these dark days. Mm. And I really took that to heart. And, um, and I started, started sending, um, I started uh, setting goals for myself. And I, I set short-term, intermediate, and long-term goals. And my long-term goals uh, were to, uh, as you mentioned earlier, was to cross the finish line of another Ironman. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And walk my daughter down the aisle. And just uh, uh, the, the Ironman, in case someone doesn't know, an Ironman is a 2.4-mile uh, swim followed by a 112-mile bike followed by a 26.2 marathon. 
all in one day. Say, say, say that again for us, Tom, so we can think in for us here. <laughs> it's, too much at once. It's, a, it's a 2.4 mile swim, followed by a 112 mile bike, followed by a 26.2 marathon. And again, that's all in one day. And, uh, and so it was very, very ambitious, you know, a very ambitious goal. Uh, but I was able to achieve my, well, all my goals, but including my two long-term goals, which were just uh, uh, 14 months after my surgery. And that was crossing the finish line at Ironman Lake Placid and then uh, walking my daughter down the aisle. So, um, but I had, I had, had done Ironmans in, in, earlier in my life, but I wasn't doing any, doing them anymore. But uh I decided I wanted to, you know, really, you know, set some really aggressive goals, and uh, and that really gave me something to uh, to focus on. Yeah, Tom, I can't really think of anything more aggressive than than, than <laughs> setting a goal for an Ironman. I mean, I'm I'm tired just hearing you describe it. I remember as a kid actually even watching um, Ironman on television and, uh-huh. and and just being so impressed and inspired by. Everybody. I think one of the things that's amazing about an Ironman or, or any of these distance endurance type things is that the nature of winning is changed. You know, that you don't win an Ironman. I mean, you do. There are people that win them. There are, is someone that comes across first, but an Ironman winner is anyone who completes it, you know. But I kind of want to take, I want to go back a little bit. I'll, 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 may, may I interrupt you? Just take it one step further sure, here. Sure. Um, you know, Get it, you know, finishing the uh, or getting to the uh, finish line was very important. But to me, though, it was a victory just getting to the starting line. Yeah. And uh, because to get to the starting line, you know, requires um, a year of intense, you know, training and all. So, and, and a lot of people don't make it to the to the starting line of an Ironman because it take it's a big uh, commitment. So. I, I, I feel like I won by just getting uh, to the starting line and crossing the uh, to the finish line was just, you know, icing on the cake. And uh, um, well, this, so this is going to sound really pathetic, but I, I did I did compete in one triathlon and it was it was nothing like what you described. But I do remember having that same feeling. It was a quarter mile swim and I'm not a good swimmer. So I remember when I came out kissing the sand and going, I'm alive. And I was so excited about having not drowned. Then I realized, oh, now I have to get on a bike and I have to run. <laughs> but the whole time after that, I was like, I'm alive. I, I swam a quarter mile, which was huge for me. If you're not much of a swimmer and you go from nothing to a quarter mile in a lake, you know, it, it's, it's a big, it's a big accomplishment. But plus you have, plus you have people around you that are oh. uh, possibly hitting you and everything. Everybody's thrashing in the water and, uh, I yeah. liken it, I liken this the start or the swim of an of a triathlon to being in a in a washing machine. You're just you know being thrashed around and kicked and everything else. So it's it is a contact sport. <laughs> oh yeah, well you know I I made sure I was the last one in the water in my group, and then I was so slow that they caught up to me, and so I swam <laughs> out of the way and just kind of treaded water until they all swam by, <laughs> and then I went again. I really was not trying to win this race. Uh, <laughs> it became very clear. But I kind of want to go back maybe a little bit before this, because there's something you said that really kind of s- struck me. And I want to I want to learn more about this. And that was um, you're talking about how fit you were coming into it, you know, that your health and and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you were running, you were biking, doing all those things. And then you got sick and that caused embarrassment for you. Yes. And I don't think I don't think you're alone in that. I think we we certainly have a culture that kind of blames the victim because there's always something you could have done. Maybe you ate the wrong diet. Maybe you didn't actually run fast enough. Maybe you didn't. And I wonder if you can unpack that for me. Where do you feel like that embarrassment came from? Why, why would anyone be embarrassed by a prognosis? Well, uh, prostate cancer is very, uh, very personal and intimate, if you will, uh, for a guy. I mean, as you're talking about, you know, his, uh, manhood or whatever, or whatever you want to say. And, guy, and, and guys really don't want to talk about uh, something like that. And um, they mm-hmm. want to really, you know, almost bury their head in the sand, so to speak. And, uh, but that's what, I, what I'm trying to, uh, to, to change now. 
uh, just to uh, just to paint a picture for you here, or to give you some numbers, um, one in nine, Af uh, one in nine white and Hispanic men are, will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in his lifetime, and for African American men, it's actually one in six. Uh, and to put those numbers, and this is all according to the American Cancer Society, and and to put those numbers in perspective. One in eight women will be diagnosed with uh, with uh, breast cancer in her lifetime, and so the numbers um, for, for breast cancer and prostate cancer are very similar. Like a man dies every 16 minutes uh, in this country from uh, prostate cancer, and uh, again, numbers correlate very close to uh, breast cancer, but you don't know about it, and that's primarily because men don't want to talk about it. You know all. You hear all the stats and all the stuff for for breast cancer and the awareness and everything, and uh, but that's what I'm trying to do though is I'm trying to create more of an awareness uh, for 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 our generation or my generation, and hopefully find a cure for uh, uh, future generations. And I think a big part of this, and what I'm hearing is is we really need to work hard to remove that stigma, and, yep. and that you might have less value. If, if you don't, you know, if you have a disease that in any way affects your manliness, as, as it might be referred to. And, you know, it's interesting. My, my father had prostate cancer. He survived. Um, and my grandfather had it as well, but he got it so late in life that um, there wasn't m much of a concern that it would turn into something before just old age, you uh -huh. know, mm -hmm. would come about. Um but, you know, in, in, in both of those circumstances, I remember like with my father, I was, I really appreciated him sitting down and talking to me about what treatments he was going to go through, answering the questions that we didn't want to ask. <laughs> yep. Yep. But, but as, as a young man, I was very, I was very curious uh, because I was looking at it from the perspective, this is a hereditary type of, you know, cancer yep. does seem to be something that runs in, in families. And, um, and it's just so sad, especially, you know, someone as, as, as great as, as my dad is and someone like you who is so inspirational that anyone would ever have to feel like they need to feel shame. Mm -hmm. Well, know? and, you know, a lot of guys, you know, I talk about, you know, manhood, whatever, but also, you know, a lot of men are afraid, you know, from a uh, from their professional life perspective that, that, they're, that they will be diminished out, out there in the uh uh, the workforce, and I'll give you an example. Um, uh, I, I went, I went to see a doctor. It was a different, different uh, uh, issue at the time. Um, but after he, after he finished the appointment with me, and while I was there, he closed the door and said, "I have a confession to make." He said, "I, I, uh, uh, I had prostate cancer." Uh, but I don't want anybody to know about it. I don't want my staff to know about it or anything because it could it it could ruin my business. And so that's the uh, you know the thinking of, of a lot of a lot of guys that it's going to you know it's gonna people are gonna look are gonna look less on them and um, that's just just not the case. Yeah. Wow. And if it and if it is in some circumstances, if people do look less on them, then it's it's really just a reflection on those people looking. It doesn't take away the hurt though. Somehow, yep. though, you rose out of this, this, this sense of embarrassment and shame. Something sparked inside of you, and you all of a sudden. I look at you now. I don't hear any shame or embarrassment. How? How does that happen? Because the things I've been <laughs> afraid of, I, I don't know how to get past those. I still feel embarrassment over those. I don't want to talk about them. Well, I, you know, I felt like that if I again after I, my friend had suggested uh, about turn, you know changing my mindset around and setting goals and with uh, uh, Lauren's encouragement I really did uh, change my mindset from really what what I would call a uh, a fixed mindset you know you're dealt with the dealt with the cards you're dealt with and woe is me to a, a growth mindset which I like to call a uh, 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 winning mindset and which, you know, persevering and, uh, you know, when I fail, I learn. And, um, uh, if I, if, if, um, I, you know, I succeed then I'm inspired and, uh, my effort and attitude will determine everything. So, uh, 
Uh, again, I was able to turn it around at that point. Yeah, so let, let's kind of unpack that a little bit, Tom. Uh, so Lauren, your wife, encouraged you to do the blog, and then you had a friend kind of step up and, and confront you and tell you about setting some goals. And But you you held that for a year, basically, without too many folks knowing. So yeah. I'm sure there had to be some smaller steps along the way, especially, you know, uh, in the learning world, we're familiar with a fixed mindset. So it takes some time and effort to make those changes. Uh, can you kind of talk through how, you know, was it some positive self-talk? Was it motivational books or, you know, is there, is there a secret sauce per se that kind of helped you begin to get on this journey or was it just a gradual step-by-step -step of overcoming it as you became a little more transparent? Well, it was a kind of a gradual thing for me and, uh, I may have not set the timeline exactly right there, but my friend who told me about setting goals and, and uh, you know, at the short-term, long, uh, intermediate and long-term goals, that, that was actually early on. And I actually did that. Uh, I set goals. This was early on, just a, a couple months after my diagnosis, but it wasn't until... Um, it was about 13 months afterwards when I when I wrote that first blog at uh, at my wife's encouragement that I that I really did you know kind of uh, came out and wanted to uh, to uh, to help others if you will and up to, up to that point it was all about just you know me and uh, and I and I did have those goals but I wasn't you know telling telling a lot of people about it sure. about them. And, and, and just backing up one, two, it's something Steve said earlier, you know, when I, when, you know, hindsight, there, there really wasn't anything that I could have done differently to uh, have avoided this because, as I mentioned, I was, I was living an active, healthy lifestyle, diet and everything else up to this point. So the, the, the message there is that, it, that uh, cancer does not, uh, you know, discriminate uh, it, because I was, I was doing everything right. Uh, uh, up to my uh, up to my diagnosis. So uh, uh, again, it, it, kind of a lesson there. When you know people look at me, well, you know you're you're the picture of health. And how did you know about your? Uh, how did you know about you, that you had cancer? And uh, of course, I talk about being proactive with your health and for men men to get checked and you know just creating creating that uh, creating awareness and you know and taking charge of your own uh, of your own health. Um, yeah, no, that's great. When I know too, you know, as you begin to talk about this, one of the things I know my wife, uh, her former boss, uh, he was a r avid runner. He's the kind of guy that they ate like a turkey sandwich and an apple every day for lunch for health purposes. You know, he didn't want to eat anything too fatty and all that kind of thing. And uh, he, he ended up collapsing and uh, basically died of heart failure at a somewhat young age. I mean, he was, he was, in years, but he wasn't uh, less than the average expectancy currently. Mm -hmm. and one, one of those conversations that we've had multiple times, though, is how can a person who exercises die of something like that? And of course, I, I'm not sure either you or I are going to solve that, but it does, I, I guess it really does kind of shed light on some of the stigma that you're talking about, where, yeah, you, you actually ran one or two triathlons prior to the diagnosis well, a lot, uh, actually a lot more than that i had, I had done uh, nine ironmans among other go. things prior so uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so obviously then you were much more fit than either steve or i then <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's just it's a little awkward to think that my gosh that we can do everything we can do but yet maybe still draw that short straw and well, so, as Steve said, you know, a lot, a lot of it's hereditary. Uh, yeah. Obviously, from what you know, Steve, his grandfather and father. I mean, that shows, you know, that it, mm -hmm. unfortunately it runs in the family. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, I think also there's an element of this, and this has been a theme in other podcasts that we've done. Is there there comes as as we face uncertainty, there there comes an element of acknowledging that we're not in control of everything, and that's really difficult. 
especially for really disciplined people. <laughs> like nobody, no, someone like you would never have been able to run that many Ironmans and, and do what you've done in your life if you weren't really disciplined. But now all of a sudden you're in a situation where you don't have control. And there's, I mean, there's certainly things you can do that increase your chances, but how did you deal with that? You know, coming to grips with, especially you were in a situation where you had lost a friend and there must have been an aspect that must have been playing in your head. You may not be able to control how much longer you're alive. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you handle that? How did you deal with that? That, that, that's a, a tough question, but it, it really, I had to go kind of go back to my roots, you know, my uh, uh, athletic roots and, you know, over overcoming obstacles and, um, and an analogy I like to use or an example I like to use is that the Iron Man is a, uh, is a metaphor for life. Uh, it's, it's a long day and you have a lot of uh, ups and downs during that day, just like you do in life. And um, how you deal with those, with those adverse times in the race, just like in life, is really what uh, define you. And I had to go back and remind myself of the, you know, you know, some of these this adversity that I dealt with as an athlete. Uh, I needed to apply to my uh, to my life now, and uh, and really, you know, remember what got me to where where I was, and and a lot of it had to do um, w- with my mindset. And uh, uh, because again, again, comparing. Iron Man to life, uh, uh, half over half the battle of getting to the finish line of an Iron Man is mental versus physical. So it's a lot. A lot of it is, you know, right between the ears. You know what and, and how you uh, how you view, uh, um, you know, success and failure. And uh, but uh, I think that really helped me um, get through. You know, helped me get through and over to your question, kind of get through. Uh, those those initial days, and it was a, and it was it was really a journey. It didn't just happen overnight. And and Tom, if I could get a little personal and ask, you mentioned changing perspectives. I'm curious if if you'd be willing to share how has your perspective on success changed. So what what today? How would you define success today, as opposed to maybe six years ago? Well, I will say this: my uh, uh, my cancer journey has uh, has given me a wonderful uh, perspective on on life. And uh, back in the early days, you know, the, the Ironman triathlon was actually it was it was all about uh, all about myself. And uh, today, uh, the things I am doing beyond the Ironman and everything is is, uh, you know, what I'm doing is, is really positively impacting uh, other, other people's lives, especially uh, men about, you know, being proactive uh, with their health. And they, uh, so it's just, it's just, again, knowing that, I, that I'm able to do that um, has really, uh, really help, helped me going. It's really given me a, 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 you know, real purpose in life now. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. So more more outward focus than inward focus is what I'm hearing. Yes, exactly. Um, wow, that's great. And and I will say and I will say this too. You know that though um, the surgery saved my life, the shift in mindset had to occur first. You know, I, I felt so much despair and depression about the thought of cancer and the battle against it that I really needed that mind shift. To, to shift before I even got to the operating table and, and mindset is key. And as you know, and again, as this goes for anything in life. And if you go by the, the, what the dictionary, how the dictionary defines mindset, it's, it's a habitual or characteristic mental attitude that determines how you will interpret and respond to situations. So mindset is habit then that, that, um, that, that's really an interesting way of thinking about it that, you know, because our thoughts, I think we like to think that our thoughts are always original, that we came up with a new thought, but it's actually the same process that, that our brains go through to, to give out 
similar thoughts one after another after another and I, I and I'm thinking of you know you running this Iron Man and I'm remembering as a kid watching the Iron Man on television because I I thought it was the coolest thing in the world <laughs> and I do remember um, this one race where you know they were tracking all the front people that they thought who might win and, and it was interesting because just having a bad day would put someone behind who was a front runner almost immediately and what generally happened with our front runners is um when they at least the one i was watching when they got to the point that they couldn't win or they couldn't place they just pull out of the race but i remember there was this one who um he was walking <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh they were interviewing him and they're like, well, why are you still doing this? And he looks over and he says, I'm looking at this, you know, 50-year-old woman who's right here next to me. It wouldn't be fair to me to say, well, unless I can win, I can't continue on. You know, that – and it was interesting because this mindset, I mean, it's brutal for anyone, no matter how how um, in shape they are, that it's, it's not as much a physical thing as it's a mental thing. I mean, physical has to be there that mental aspect. So now I'm comparing that to you um, in the race. And what things do you say to yourself in a race when you want to quit? Because I imagine you do want to quit from time to time. There, there are there are times that, that you want to quit. And um, like I said, it's, it's like in life there, you know, you've got a lot of ups and downs and how you deal with that adversity is, is really what, uh, uh, what defines you and how what differ, differentiates us and um uh you you know this winning mindset that i talk about you know i feel like feel like the, i think this will answer your question but there, you know in my winning mindset there are three uh primary components of that and um you know including those are perseverance overcoming fear and uh, being intentional and i think all of those, uh, you know, play play into play into that. You know, to, you know, a winning mindset really does take uh, courage and, and diligence or, or growth mindset, if you want to call it that. And if it, it can help you step out of your comfort zone, and your mindset really does drive the choices you make and the habits you create. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I was going to say, let's kind of. Uh, introduce the book a little bit here since since we're getting on this mindset i know that's what that's what your book is about here uh you know it's the winning mindset that saved your life um so did that formulate out of some of these things as you mold and reflected on you know, the metaphor of iron man being life uh did you compile it out of blogs or what kind of how uh, what was the inspiration the genesis of the book itself if you kind of hit us there and then we'll dig into some key points there. The, the, book. the, inspir the inspiration came from a lot of people that had read my blogs. Um, you know, they, they said, you know, you've written some really nice blogs that have inspired people and you ought to write a book. And at the time I, you know, I just, I just said, no way. I, I'm, I'm, you know, writing a blog is one thing, but writing a book is taking it to a whole nother level. Sure. And, and uh, I, I, at first, I really didn't didn't think that I would ever do that. Uh, but again, as I thought about it and, and thought about my my journey and all, and it's uh, the same. I had the kind of the same. I developed the same, I guess, mindset that I had about the blogs. You know, if I could impact, you know, if I could positively impact, you know, one or you know, two people, then that would be my definite success. And that's the same way. Uh, I kind of view, viewed the book and I, you know, I just took my experiences and uh, uh, with, again, with that, uh, it was built around my, my cancer journey, but I talk about how mindset was, was uh, key in that. And that's really kind of how the, how the, uh, how the book came about. And, uh, you know, again, if I positively impact, you know, one person, but, but best of all though, that the hundred percent of the net proceeds are going back to uh, cancer research. It all comes back to my, uh, you know, really wanting, uh, to make a difference because after I did that last Ironman, uh, in 2016, I really turned my focus, uh, to advocacy and awareness. And, uh, 
I do a lot, do a lot of volunteering, sit on the boards of a couple of cancer organizations. And uh, um, so anyway, not to get off on a tangent here, but uh, that's, you know, kind of how the, how the book came about. That's great. But I feel like we, of your three principles you talked about, the perseverance, overcoming fear and living intentionally, I feel like I really have a good sense of that perseverance part of it. Like, like if there's a word I was going to use to describe you right now, it would be grit. You know, this is, this is, this is someone who can just, you know, take, take, take a hit and keep going. But yep. uh, what I would like to know now maybe is that fear, like, tell me about your fears. Like that's a hard one to get past. Like, can you grit through fear or do you have it, to have it? That is a hard one. And um, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, any of these attributes can uh, be applied to uh, any, any kind of life-challenging or uh, life-changing obstacles that, that people have in their life. Um, but to overcome fear, um, you, you must first acknowledge it, but not focus on it. Mm-hmm. My recommendation is to identify and write down your strengths and weaknesses and promote the ones that you do well. And then come to terms with your weaknesses. If I hadn't overtaken my fear of defeat by cancer and losing my life, I would not be uh, sitting here talking to you all right now. Mm-hmm. Learning to deal with fear means putting your negative thoughts in perspective. And I, failures are really part of the process and you should not be afraid of them. I like to advise people to change the way you view, view failure, to actually embrace it. Failures are part of the mindset change process that, that you should not be, and you should not be afraid of them. It's, it's an opportunity to uh, really learn from your spa- your mistakes and learn to accept challenges. And if you're going to succeed at anything, it will be challenges and sometimes failure. And I love the ta- uh, um, Thomas Edison and Michael Jordan's uh, takes on failure, and, um, very similar, but uh, but as Thomas Edison said, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Yeah. <laughs> and Michael Jordan said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career, and I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. You know, we all, we tend to really do focus on the negative, but I realized that by looking at all the options, I could respond differently to my concerns. And to get beyond that, to your question, Steve, is I like to articulate the positive outcome of your fear. For me, my positive outcomes were beating cancer and being able to walk my daughter down the aisle. Hmm. You know, this, this is really powerful stuff here and especially looking at it. And, and I, I just kind of want to come back and, and what you said originally about negative thoughts. That's I, I, what I've heard for most people is the way you deal with negative thoughts is to have a positive thought. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, but what you just pointed out is that, that a, negative thoughts have to be acknowledged and they have to be put in their proper perspective. That's yep. what I heard that. Yeah, if you, if, you, if you focus on them, you're, you're just, it's going to paralyze you. Yeah, yeah but it's that is the antidote to those um, negative thoughts. And I can't imagine um, anything more negative than I have a really difficult disease. I have a difficult pathway ahead of me. And the perspective I, I'm hearing, it was, I want to walk my daughter down the aisle. <laughs> I want to... Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's going, that's, what's going to allow me to, to take that step out into the unknown, to go through a horrible surgery, to (laughs) recover from that. Um, that's extremely powerful. And I also just, you know, really love the way that you've, you've talked about failure as well, because I wouldn't have thought a book called the winningest mindset would say the way you win is, is to start failing. (laughs) And that's kind of the just I'm getting from that. Um, very powerful. Now, are some of these things you already felt like you already kind of, I mean, obviously you didn't get where you were at by not having already had some of these perspectives. I mean, 
and 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 I think in many ways you took perspectives and strengths you already had and you directed them towards what you needed um, to be able to survive. But how did you take these and I guess what I'm looking for is what came out of this that was unique? It was absolutely brand new. Because I look at like moving into like living intentionally, which was one of your three points. What what changed about living in this new way as opposed to how you did it before? Because you'd already gone out running. You already had many of these same abilities, strengths, weaknesses, perspectives, but something metamorphosed um, through this and you came out of it with some things that were absolutely unique. And what were maybe some of those things? Well, I had to, to go back and remind myself of, of, of what got me to where I was with this previous, um, I guess, successes in my, in my life. Because I have to admit, when I, when I uh, was first diagnosed, all that really took a hit. I mean, mm. that, <laughs> my, uh, that mindset and my outlook on life and everything. And, you know, again, having watched my best friend lose his life, and, uh, uh, so I, it, but, so I really had to hearken back on, on, on those days when, when everything was going well and, uh, what was, uh, what was uh, making me successful and, uh, um, but, but again, my motive, my motivation though, uh, as I, as I went through this journey was knowing that I was, uh, uh, positively, you know, you know, impacting people. And, and I was also, uh, racing for the memory of my friend, Bill. And, uh, uh, so that's what uh, really motivated me. And of course I had, I, I had, it was not easy. I mean, there were, there were days when I really, uh, uh, you know, was down and, uh, but I had to keep reminding myself of the, uh, of the bigger picture. And that's, you know, of course that's part of, uh, Kind of go, I guess, would fall under the the person under perseverance, and uh, but uh, but I had to keep again keep reminding myself. So, uh, well, I'm I'm curious, and you know, hopefully this isn't too sensitive, but you talked about racing for your friend Bill, uh-huh. and you know, this is this is someone that you watched go through a similar journey with a a different outcome, and I mean, maybe you could tell us a little bit about because that would have been no matter what, whether you had gotten this disease or not, having a friend go through this situation would have changed your life and probably did change your life. What were some lessons you got from watching him, even prior to knowing you, you were going to be in his shoes? Just Well, you know, one, of, you, one of the things about Bill was he had an incredibly uh, positive attitude all, all the way to the end of his life. And it's on, on his uh, uh, tombstone today. But he had he always, he had a slogan that, uh, and he always this is how he answered people when people would ask him how he how he was doing. And life life is good. And that was again that was his motto all all, all the way to the end. And I would always re- reflect and remember on on what a what a beautiful attitude he had going going through all this all these horrible uh, treatments and, and everything. And, uh, um, so, and that, so that really, I guess, helped mo- motivate me. And, uh, yeah, life is good. And it never turned into life was good prior to my, <laughs> yeah. um, it, it stayed through. Cause you know, I think even as we're going through COVID and the, the challenges as, as a society right now, there is a tendency to say, life was good. And then 2020 hit. And it yeah. sounds like Bill's message is no life is still good. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Even if you're sick, even if, even if unemployment just ran out, even if uh, you're having troubles, you know, with, with fears and things like that, that there's this overarching message. Life is still good. You, you know what? One of the, uh, people that I like to quote in my book is, uh, coach Vince Lombardi. He was my, uh, one is one of my idols. And one of his, one of his quotes, that uh, uh, has really stuck to me because he's got a lot of quotes and I quote him several times in the book, but it's, it's not whether you get knocked down. It's whether you get back up. 
and um, and I you know I really take really have embraced that uh, uh, that saying. So yeah, it's, it's very powerful. So the next principle that you you take from this is living intentionally, and I think that goes really well with life is good because it's not staying alive intentionally. <laughs> it's living. Uh-huh. It's, 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 um, and I, living is, is much more than surviving. How, how does, um, living intentionally, what does it look like? How do you, how is that different from just being alive? Well, let me just, uh, preface it by saying that being intentional for me post-cancer has been easier for two reasons. Um, one is I, you know, I had those very specific goals to get through my cancer battle, and number, t- and the second reason was I was competing for something greater than myself, a cause that was making a positive impact on society, and that's th- through one of the uh, uh, charities that I represented, uh, which was Zero, the end of prostate cancer, and. Today, I am motivated to be intentional, knowing that I'm providing hope and inspiration to those dealing with challenges in their life. You know, goals really give you structure for an intentional game plan, and goals, when you stick to them, make you accountable to take intentional actions. You know, you can always ask yourself if what you're doing is taking you closer to or further away from your goal. You know, being intentional will, will keep you focused and in our society, you know, unfortunately, a healthy lifestyle requires commitment. And your mindset plays into that healthy lifestyle, too. You know, with healthy emotions, you'll have a better all-around quality of life and enjoyment. Again, quoting uh, Coach Lombardi <laughs> from my book, uh, the good Lord gave you a body that can stand most anything. It's your mind you have to convince. Yes. And, uh, so that's the way, you know, kind of how I look at, um, look at, uh, living intentionally. Yes. I, I really like that. The good Lord gave you a body that can withstand. What was it? A standing most, awful lot. Most anything. Yeah. Most anything. It's your <laughs> mind you have to convince. It's your mind you have to convince. That is really, really powerful. And, and it's harder to do. You know, I think sometimes we, our minds, are against us to some degree, (laughs) make it hard Mm -hmm. for us to overcome. And we have these thoughts. We talked last week uh, um, quite a lot about, um, you know, situations that people come from when we don't all have the same starting point. You know, it's, it's like, um, if I got to compete in the uh, triathlon, but I started at the last mile, you know, I might come across feeling pretty confident, but that's why I love so much what you said that at the very beginning of this call. And, and I kind of want to make this maybe the, the summary that we we end this on. And if, if any of our listeners are thinking, why isn't Leonard speaking up? Well, he lost audio a while back. So <laughs> it's, it's just the Steve and Tom show right now. Uh, but, but he'll certainly be with us again uh, later on. But um, I think one of the things that is, is so powerful that I think we can take away from this is let's try and get to the starting line. You know, let's not try and, and necessarily think that we have to win a, a triathlon, but let's let's try and make it to that starting line. And mm-hmm. the keys to that are perseverance, overcoming fear, living intentionally, remembering that the good Lord gave us a body, but we got to struggle with our mind. <laughs> then mm-hmm. that's that's the part, and it's worth the struggle. It's worth um, putting that time into. And, and Tom, I, I, I know we're running close on the end of time. Um, I, I think that um, maybe if there's one final plug you want to put in, I maybe reminding all of us men that we've got to go out and get checked and there's nothing unmanly about seeing your doctor every once in a while. And you don't have to be healthy to see your doctor. Any, any final thoughts you want to put out? Well, first of all, to that point, I would definitely recommend, especially to men, you've got, you've got to be, uh, proactive with your health. Uh, there's nobody else is going, going to watch out for you. And, uh, and of course, and a lot of that goes back to men not talking about it. You know, women are a lot more open and all. But as far as my, I guess my final thoughts, though, is that I'd just like to say that my journey really has created a passion in me to help others battle life-threatening and life-altering challenges. And I really do feel fortunate to help 
to have a mission to help them, to help them through the battles I, I survived. And, uh, and my success as an athlete gave me a false sense of invincibility. Uh, you know, the cancer really humbled and changed me. And, but as I mentioned earlier, it's given me a wonderful perspective on life. Uh, and like I said, my journey has created a passion to help others battling adversity. Um, lesson learned, there's nothing more gratifying in, in life than making a difference in people's lives and paying it forward. A quote that I have in my book, I actually opened my book with, and it's it's uh, it's the one sentence that's on Jackie Robinson's grave, uh, and yet it says so much. A person's life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives. And I really have grown to appreciate the value of serving a greater cause of my own self-interest. And I hope that maybe my remarks have educated and inspired you or the listeners as to why mindset really matters. And for men, get checked, be proactive. My friend Bill uh, that I talked about, um, his widow will tell you today that he skipped a year in getting his, uh, his PSA checked, which is how they check the, uh, the prostate and blood test. And that's what uh, ultimately killed him because it uh, spread to other parts of his body. And yeah. uh, so, Again, I just leave that leave that with your listeners. You know, be proactive with your health, and and a lot of these uh, topics we talked about today for a mind, you know, the right mindset, the perseverance, overcoming fear, and being intentional are applicable to any any you know aspect you know in someone's life. Well, thank you so much for for spending this time with us, and I just want to remind our, our listeners again: the name of Tom's book is "The Winningest Mindset." Um, that changed my life or saved my life, I think is what it, <laughs> what it says. Yes, um, you, can find, you can find the book on, on Amazon uh, or yeah, that's the easiest way is on my, and, and uh, like I said, hundred percent of the net proceeds are going to cancer research. So, so you can't lose, you can't lose by buying this book, yeah. <laughs> no matter what. Um all right. Well, that is absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. I want to remind our listeners that um, this is sponsored by Upwards Unlimited. Uh, and we hope that uh, we have Leonard back with us again uh, next week. His audio won't leave us, but uh, it was truly a pleasure to spend time with you today, Tom. Well, thank you, Steve and Leonard. I, I appreciate It's an honor to be here with you. And uh I hope everyone has a wonderful and day and stay safe. All right. Goodbye until next time.